This is the Boss Mystic. You're listening to Revolutionary Mystic, a subversive spirituality podcast where witches of color are disrupting, dismantling, and decolonizing mainstream spirituality with intersectional feminism, ancestral magic, and revolutionary thought. One unapologetic, real talk conversation at a time. Featuring your host, international psychic medium, hoodoo root worker, and astrologer, Megan Alexandria. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of the Revolutionary Mystic Podcast. I'm your host, Metzli Alexandria. And joining me today, I have the privilege and honor of chatting with our guest, Alexis P. Morgan. I am like so stoked, I can't even tell you. Um, just for reference, right now we're, let's see, we're in August 2020. We're still in the middle of uh, pandemic and, and like Alexis mentioned to me earlier the world is like basically on fire and um, as a disabled person who is pretty homebound um, it is a very awesome opportunity today to get to chat with Alexis P. Morgan who I have a lot of in common with and like so much admiration for their work and I'm just really thrilled to get to connect with somebody who um, you know, understands. And it's just, it's refreshing. You know, we live in a pretty abled world. Um, we live in a pretty neurotypical focused world. Um, and so I'm really excited to get to talk to them and share their magic with you. And so rather than telling you all about who they are and what they do, I would love for you to hear it straight from them. Hi, Alexis. <laughs> Hi. Um, thank you so much for having me on. Um, this is the, I think this is the first like podcast appearance I've done in a while. So that's exciting. That is exciting. Um, so about me, um, I am 28. I'm turning 29 uh, in a couple of months. Very exciting. In the throes of the Saturn return, which is not oh. so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I'm Black, and I say that I'm the, the child of Indigenous mothers because uh, my second adoptive parent, uh, which is a story we'll get into in a second, and I'll clarify what I mean by that, mm -hmm. um, is Indigenous. And I'm still trying to figure out uh, if my biological mother was truthful with my uh, adoptive parents about my uh, indigenous heritage. It's not one of those like my grandmother was like a such and such kind of situations. Um, it actually has to do with my paternal grandfather. Uh, so, you know, we're figuring that out. Uh, but in the meantime, I say I'm a child of indigenous mothers to be really clear about uh, who I am in that regard. Um, and professionally, I am a writer, uh, an artist, and a sorceress. Uh, and my pronouns are she, her, they, them. Uh, I identify as femme because uh, my gender is really weird and complicated. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, <laughs> and has layers of woo mixed into it too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's just sometimes it's just easy to be like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, it's just like the cis folks do what they want. Um, and I'm also queer. 
So yay, and I have autism. Uh, I was diagnosed at 27, uh, which is funny because I studied autism for like four years in high school and you would have thought that maybe I would have <laughs> picked up on something, but nah. Uh, <laughs> um, but I did, but I didn't. Um, and I'm also disabled. I have uh, multiple sclerosis. Uh, I was also diagnosed with multiple sclerosis at 27 during my birthday month. It was a very exciting birthday. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's me in a nutshell. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I just want to say, like, I love um, <laughs> the amount of representation you're able to bring uh, for folks. I, I know when I hear you speaking about who you are, I'm hearing things that I I can relate to and I also have seen like out there in the world that I know isn't really being said and one of them is that you mentioned about how uh, you like had been studying autism for some time and like how did you not know well <laughs> um, for folks that don't know like much about my professional history I was a social worker for a long time and I had a long like 11 year long career and towards the end I was a teacher for you know kids with autism and I loved it absolutely loved it felt super at home and just like you didn't reach that diagnosis until I was around like 27 28 I think yeah and um <laughs> it's just kind of funny like how it works out that way you know Right? Like, and like, I think in my, so it's funny, because like, in my particular situation, my first set of adopted parents, okay, so let me back this trailer up a little bit. Mm -hmm. I was adopted twice. I was mm -hmm. adopted as an infant. Mm -hmm. And I usually call that set of parents my foster parents, because it helps make things less confusing to the wider world. Uh, and just because I usually don't have time to explain my family tree with a diagram to, <laughs> to like new people. Um, so I was adopted once as an infant and then I was adopted again as an adult adoption by my mom. Mm -hmm. uh, and she is my mom. So when I usually when I say mom, I'm speaking of her and when I'm speaking of my adoptive parents who were a queer couple. Uh, I was raised by white lesbians, which is, oh boy, that's a lot to, <laughs> to wrestle with in hindsight. Um, but <laughs> um, I'm usually not referring to them, but sometimes I'll slip and I'll just call them mom and everybody gets real, real confused because I got like 12 of them lying around. It's great. Um, <laughs> 12 moms, I mean. Um, but when I was a, a toddler, um, I showed some of the signs of uh, what a lot of like professional clinicians would probably deem autism criteria. Um, I wasn't particularly a fan of like being held. I had a lot of sensory stuff, uh, all of that. They just thought I was weird and a problem child, which who the layers of that um, again in hindsight. Um, but I I kind of slipped through the cracks because I uh, you know was assigned female at birth and for the longest time most of the diagnostic criteria has mostly centered around boys specifically cis boys uh, in terms of how like they socialize or don't socialize and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I actually like had those signs early on. I got into high school. 
And in my desperate attempt to get the fuck out of Dodge, uh, I <laughs> I engineered my like entire like academic career to be like the optimal like escape route mm-hmm. like into university. Um, and my particular high school, they called it Honky High because that's where all the like the wealthy like suburban like white families sent their kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, which again layers. I was living in South Florida. I've been by like uh, Mar-a-Lago. It's it's trippy to think about sometimes. Um, So I was at this high school and we had a a science research uh, class. Uh, It's the same uh, competition that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez participated in. Like we did science fair to like get to that point. So I ended up taking this class and for whatever reason, and to this day, I still cannot remember what on earth prompted me to focus on autism, but I did. And I actually worked with uh, the, the dude who was at the time uh, the program director for the Center of Autism and Related Disabilities at Florida Atlantic University. I actually sent him an email asking him for referrals to like local like psychiatrists uh, to have like a mentor because you're supposed to have like a professional mentor slash like somebody who oversees your research. Um, and I, I didn't think this man would, would have any interest in, like, mentoring me himself. Like, I was 16. Like, what are you going to do with a 16-year-old, right? Right, <laughs> like, right. Uh, and he wrote me back, and he said, I'm, I was so impressed by your email. Um, I'd love to mentor you myself. And I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> like, hold up. So I did that for uh, three years. Uh, and it was actually, it's really it's funny in hindsight I'm gonna say that a lot in this <laughs> probably in this discussion because uh <laughs> it makes sense because you're going through your Saturn return just gonna say you know right, right? Yeah. that's the constant theme of like oh in hindsight mm-hmm. um but in hindsight the very first study that I did was actually uh, a qualitative study of families and their quality of life their self-reported quality of life after diagnosis mm. And autism parents uh, are something sometimes, not all of them, uh, but some of them, Um, unfortunately too many of them um, are a lot uh, (laughs) with their stuff. Um, And the thing that I I do remember from that, from those days, because it's all blurred and clouded together for various reasons, was that a lot of them like reported feeling very isolated and very like rejected by like the people around them because of their children. And now as an adult, uh, I, I see like the ableism in that and like how ableism like really, like it does so much harm to everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, especially disabled, obviously disabled people being the first and foremost amongst that, but it also like impacts the people who love us and who are in relationships with us uh, because people are cruel and like uninformed and ignorant and just all around pretty shitty sometimes. Yep. Um, and that, ha- that kind of stayed with me. Uh, I've always been like a political person uh, and it wasn't until like I started getting into like like my senior year of high school junior year of high school where like 
that really started to crystallize for me. And part of that was because of the research that I did. So it's been an interesting journey, uh, you know, fast forwarding like a decade and I go to my therapist and I'm crying and I'm just like, I think I'm autistic. And that mm -hmm. explains my entire fucking <laughs> Yeah. Um, please help. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and I mean, it's been such a gift, but it's also like really hard. And I'm sure you know this too, like masking now, I can't do it. Yep. Like you go through this phase, you're just like, yeah, fuck all these mm -hmm. <laughs> neurotypical people. I am who I am, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> yes. And I love that that happens. I, you know, I hope that it can happen for like, more and more folks, you know, um, I feel like we're pretty luck lucky that we were able to get to that point. Um, because like so much of, I don't know if, if you can relate to this, but so much of like my existence as a multi marginalized person comes with a lot of like masking or like code switching or like, you know, like all of this stuff we do for survival. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it's nice to be able to just fucking let some of that go and just mm -hmm. be who you are you know yeah no I I super resonate with that um obviously I'm coming out of like a really complicated like family background yeah uh because as I mentioned I was adopted by two older white women uh I was born in the deep south uh, my sibling my adoptive sibling um is uh is black and intellectually uh disabled I guess mm -hmm. is I don't, I don't, don't quite know the language to use to speak about him because I don't want to be like dismissive yeah. or dismeaning, dis demeaning because I think he's per like he's yeah. my sibling, like he just is who he is. Yeah. Uh, but you know, he needs help here and there. Um, so you know, it was really weird, like coming out of this home life that was extremely volatile. Mm -hmm. Um, both of my uh, adoptive parents have now passed, so uh, I, I feel safe uh, talking about my childhood a little bit more uh, than I did when I was, like, in my earlier 20s, when I was yeah. still trying to, like, unpack all of that, because there's, there's just so many layers, right, of, like, yeah. racism and, like, like queer phobia and just, like, un like unpacking that entire, like, thing when you're young and still figuring yourself out and also very conscious of the fact that any sort of unpacking you do as an adopted person especially for me as a writer who writes about my life in public is going to have some sort of intersection with how other people like view the world yeah. it was really scary uh, and so for the longest time I didn't even look at it because I was just like I don't want to give fuel to like these homophobic assholes to like yeah. go like be douchebags yeah <laughs> um but like for me it, it, it's it's been this like it's been so many extra layers of that because I uh grew up in a home where I was being uh pretty severely abused and and in more than one way um not necessarily exclusively by my parents so by the time I arrived to my 25th birthday uh, and, you know, most of that trauma had passed and I had been dealing with homelessness and just, just all the shit, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, you like, it's been, it's been a life purpose at this point, mm -hmm. you know, unpacking all this stuff. And I realized not everybody has the luxury mm -hmm. of going through that process as intently and as intensely 
as I have. So I consider myself to be very lucky that I've been able to sort of focus like the first like leg of my adulthood on healing myself. That is an, like, obviously like there were some drawbacks and I had like challenges and uh, hardships that I had to deal with as a result. But I also know, and I'm very grateful for the fact that because I've given myself so much space, because I had to, because uh, I had so much trauma, um, you know, that it, it very likely could have, you know, potentially uh, harmed me in permanent ways, like much more permanent. I'm trying not to like be triggering to anybody. Um, you know, like getting to this point and arriving to like the doorstep of my Saturn return, um, I've been so privileged to be able to heal. And that's one of the things that I'm really conscious about, like when I write and when I make art and when I like do like spiritual work in public is that not everybody has that space yep. or that ability or that support. And I've been very, 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 very privileged in that um, I've had that space. I've had the good luck that I've had the support systems that I've, that I've cultivated the support systems too, that I had the skill to do that. Um, and as a result, you know, getting slammed with all these different things has been hard, but it's not been, I'm trying to think of a non-ableist metaphor because yeah. it, ableism yeah. is everywhere. Um, it hasn't been like so heavy that I can't move forward. And I know for a lot of people, it gets to that place. Yeah. Yeah. That was really yeah. heavy. I'm sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> No need to apologize, like, at all. Um, uh, let's see, Mars is squaring Pluto today, so Ooh. if things get intense and heavy, I'm all, I'm here for it, in, in general, anyways, but, yeah. um, you know. <laughs> um, I think my, I think my uh, Mars is in Scorpio, so. Yes. Yes, <laughs> I, 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 ha I actually have two stelliums. I have one stellium in Scorpio. Uh, with my son, uh, Mars, Mercury, and ooh, can't remember the last one. I think some other planet. I can't remember. Um, it'll come back to me. I don't have my. I'm not in astro astrology. Is not my wheelhouse. <laughs> um, and then the other one is in uh, Capricorn, but that also involves like a lot of my outer planets. So you know, that's a generational thing. That's so oh. cool. And I, I mean, I, I can totally see that. Um, how, how fucking rad. <laughs> yeah, I also got a super on brand birthday almost. Uh, I say almost cause like I've been cheating for like the last couple of years. I was actually born on October 30th, yes. about 30 minutes shy of midnight. So now I like move my birthday forward because yes. Ivanka Trump was also born on October 30th and I refused. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Halloween is just so much more on brand and like glamorous. And just <laughs> it, really, it really is. <laughs> I was like, yeah, like it doesn't make that much of a difference. <laughs> no, it really, it really doesn't, you know. <laughs> um, but but yeah, like I, my, whew, my astrology is a lot of fixed sign energy, a lot of fixed energy. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> That's cool, though. I mean, to be so like firm and grounded in who you are and what you believe. And all of that good stuff, you know, like, I feel like that um, it's essential for when a lot of rough shit is thrown your way, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, it doesn't help with the autism and the rigid thinking, though, like, sometimes, <laughs> or I'm just, like, very, like, A, A, B, C, D, and, like, I can't, like, break out of it, mm-hmm. uh, but it's funny, because I was actually talking with uh, a couple of, like, of my neurodiverse friends uh, about this, and, like, especially, like, with the autism, on the other hand, I also have developed, like, this really, like, I said to, I said to my friends, like, sometimes I feel like when I talk with other neurodiverse people, mm-hmm. our conversations are more like root systems rather than, like, strictly linear. Because, like, I've noticed, like, when I talk to neurotypical people, it tends to be very, like, linear and restrictive. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I go first and then you go. And then I go for Then I go and then you go. And we, mm-hmm. we follow, like, these ideas in a very strict pattern. Mm-hmm. And then when I talk with my neurodiverse friends... Uh, it's like, it's kind of like the board, but without like the sinister authoritarianism of like yeah. space sci-fi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where, like you get in a sink, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, and like, yeah, I, um, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm like talking and especially if I'm like really excited about something and I'm talking to somebody who's neurotypical, um, at some point they get like a like a glazed over look in their eyes and I'm like are they are they still following me are we on the same planet like (laughs) oh my goodness I yes I'm very familiar yeah (laughs) I'm very familiar with the look it's just like oh I'm info dumping again yes (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you get so excited like I like like obviously like we want to be careful about like uh, you know, hierarchical, like, points of view on ourselves or our identities or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but, like, sometimes I feel sad for neurotypical people that they don't have, like, the intensity of special interests. Mm-hmm. There's nothing quite like the joy of, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, your things, you know? <laughs> yes. yes. Please, please tell, if you feel comfortable, like, please tell me what some of your things are. Um, so obviously the witchcraft, the witching and the crafting, as I sometimes <laughs> will we'll call it, um, cause I'm pretty like low key chill and we'll, we'll get into that. Um, so like definitely like magic and like the occult things. Um, I've also developed, uh, an interest recently in semiotics, which is the study of meaning of signs and symbols and how we form meaning behind signs and symbols awesome. um and, and that also includes uh, music i listened to a really nifty uh lecture uh recently oh my god the professor's name just like flew out of my brain um but it was about the semiotics of music and how it relates to colonization and how like tone can actually and has been a force of like colonization and music mm-hmm. uh which which is like blew my mind. <laughs> yep. um, so that's another one. Uh, I'm also really interested just like in art in general, uh, specifically uh, collage, uh, just because it's collecting and organizing, I think. Yeah. And I find that really comforting for, for my brain. Um, and politics, uh, but I'm trying to deconstruct my relationship with politics a little bit uh, because I come from a very political background on on both layers of my family tree. So my grandfather was actually uh, a panther. My mother is still very actively uh, involved in community organizing, despite the fact that she's a cancer survivor and I have to yell at her to get in the house sometimes. Mm -hmm. Just like, 
you need to rest. <laughs> Please don't make me get on a plane and go like, put you in your house. And her birthday is in two. And oh, it's tomorrow. Actually, I had it in. I had it in my head that today was the 12th, um, but she turns 54 tomorrow. Happy birthday, Ma. Happy uh, birthday. <laughs> so, like that of the family tree is like very politically involved, um, obviously. Uh, and then my first set of adoptive parents, uh, I was raised in a home where I was discussing politics when I was like eight, nine years old and like debating with my mother over dinner about politics and discussing like current events, which... Again, hindsight, hindsight, so much hindsight. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Oh boy. Um, but I'm, I'm trying to like deconstruct my relationship with politics a little bit because I realized that um, social media and sort of the way that my career path has developed, uh, you know, has kind of conditioned me into this relationship that I don't find generative anymore. Yeah. Um, and that's also making me sick. Uh, and given that I have a, I have two different health issues that are impacted by stress, uh, I need to unfuck that shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, like I've been working on that. And then obviously like the incident, which I, I realized like when we initially connected, I said I didn't want to talk about that, but I'm open to talking about that now. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like if you're, open to that um i'm happy to uh speak about that with you yeah Um, we have to be a little careful just because you know like i don't i don't want to get any more letters (laughs) Um, but yeah the audience is probably like what in the hell are they talking (laughs) (laughs) um well most of like Uh, like people who follow my work know that there is a very popular uh, educator um, who is a black woman and their name gets brought up every so often like someone new will come into the group and be like oh hey like this book's a really great resource and then I usually chime in and say that's cool. (laughs) And I have to let you know, like, I actually don't share that person's work. Um, Yeah, that person has, you know, caused harm. And, you know, to my knowledge, I don't know that there's been any like, real like restorative. None, actually. (laughs) Yeah. Um Cerro. The, the answer is Cerro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's so, like, it's been, I, I've gone through, like, the five stages of grieving mm-hmm. and rage about this whole situation. Um, so, so before I start, I want to be very clear that I have nothing but love for this person. Mm-hmm. Um, I want them to be successful. I have always been very clear about the fact whenever this has come up in conversation that, um, you know, I don't want anybody to like penalize them financially. I don't want anybody doing any sort of like abusive fuck shit in my name. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. I will personally come and back you over the head with a stick uh, and then pat your head because I don't like to do violence, but you know, (laughs) y'all get the gist. Like, don't like, don't be, don't be gross. Um, Because for me, like it, it has evolved beyond the initial instigating incident, which was, I was concerned about some of the 
origins of her work and her ideas and the, the authorship of that. And I brought that to her privately uh, long before I ever breathed the word in public. Um, and after that, the behavior afterwards actually became the more concerning thing. And I have not really been in a place to discuss that, like in like a level-headed way. And now that several months have passed and I sort of like made a final statement about like our personal stuff prior to all of that, mm -hmm. um, I can talk about this in a way that feels like super level. Um, so obviously this person professes liberatory politics, right? Mm -hmm. Social justice politics. And, uh, you know, they profess also to have a very close relationship with me. And my issue is that I did everything that I was quote unquote supposed to do in this yeah. situation. I went to them privately, not once, but twice with yeah. concerns. Um, I waited it out. I Try, I actually did try to get a hold of a mediator uh, before all of this happened. Um, I named very specific, reasonable, concrete amends that I wanted to see happen. Um, you know, I, I was very clear about the fact that I didn't want any sort of like punishment or vengeance kind of stuff. Somebody else tried to pull me into their campaign of that yeah. stuff. And I was just like, no, no, we don't do that here. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I, I've been very clear on the fact that like I've taken accountability, like when I've said things because my anger has gotten the better of me, which I have, I've said some things like maybe I could have worded them a little bit better, you know, yeah. a little bit more diplomatically. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this entire time I got blocked uh, on WhatsApp. I got blocked on Instagram immediately. Like when I yeah. first brought it up, um, my emails were ignored. My requests for behind the scenes, uh, you know, negotiation were completely ignored. I later found out that uh, she has an internal policy of just not responding to any criticism from anyone, wow. which like, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> like, I like, and I heard that from multiple people. So it wasn't just like one person who was being like a malicious little, you know, gnat or something mm -hmm. like yeah. multiple people reached out to me and said, by the way, she has said to me that X, Y, Z, right? Yep. Um, you know, and then getting the lawyers involved. Yeah. So I was served a, it actually wasn't a formal cease and desist letter. Uh, it was basically uh, an intimidation tactic. Yeah. Uh, she hired a firm that specializes in, and I quote, the removal of online defamation, which wow. that's code for you pay us $600 and we'll hound the shit out of anybody who posts uh, negative reviews about you on the internet. Oh my gosh. Um, so I received about a half a dozen emails from her legal representation here in the States. So I, I got this letter and I had screenshots in it and I, and I still, I still have all of my receipts, which it's funny. Cause like, I'm not a receipts person. <laughs> like, yeah. I just incidentally had them cause I was showing things like my sisters and being like, am I, am I out of my mind? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like if, <laughs> am I in trouble here? You know, like what's going right? on? Like I wasn't trying to keep no receipts on anybody. Like, ha like have another hobby. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so like I get this, like uh, this letter 
and it's very aggressive and it doesn't actually outline a legal basis for defamation but at the time um, I was you know really newly diagnosed with my MS and with the autism I was going through a really stressful kind of like spat anyways and I wanted to fight it mm -hmm. um, but I was just like I finally got to a place where I was just like, physically, I can't do this. I don't have the money for this. I'm going to have to find like a pro bono lawyer to like send a response back. And it's just going to like be like this whole thing. And I don't want to engage these systems. Yeah. And dealing with this because well, yeah. like, like, she, she yeah. wielded like <laughs> the justice system in and of itself. Like that's, that's the man's shit, you know, like that's, right? that's the settlers bullshit to like do that against one another like she's wielding like colonial violence against you in, in my eyes you know right like yeah. i like that was the thing that bothered me so much because we still had mutual friends we had plenty of mutual friends she could have reached out to mm -hmm. and could have said something to me none of the requests that i made of her were outrageous or had or were non-negotiable for that matter yeah. um and she could have done that at any time but instead she chose to go to a lawyer yep. and as far as i am aware uh she knows that or she knew rather at the time that i probably wouldn't have the capacity to go to toe with her in, in a court of law uh but beyond that um like why do you need a lawyer to speak for you like yeah. if you haven't done anything wrong and one of the things that has since stood out to me in that letter was it was not her intention to take something from you and profit off of it. Mm. And it's just like, are you saying that she did in fact take something from me? Mm -hmm. And she's now since profited off it. <laughs> like I was yeah. like, oh, that's that's a little that's a little concerning. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that, sounds, that sounds like not only an admission. And it also sounds like um, a hypocrisy too, because anybody who has any type of like liberation-centered um, access point in their work, no matter what you do, even us as witches, sure. Yes. Um, <laughs> we all know that impact is greater than intent. We say yeah. it all fucking day. So like, I don't give a fuck what your intention was. Like, right? you harmed somebody. And like the, the thing that kills me is that I never once a actually asked for public recognition or naming like as part of her lineage. Yeah. What I wanted is for, for her to recognize it to me privately because at the end of the day, I'm a communist. I don't actually believe like, yeah. in intellectual property rights. Like I do when there are white people involved. Totally. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. That's my policy. Like if there are white people or corporations involved, then I suddenly believe in like intellectual property. Law. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, Ooh, no, like, like we don't do that. Mm -hmm. um, but when it comes to like community and I consider like all black, and brown people to be in community with me mm -hmm. um you know that's that that's not how we do things mm -mm. so getting that letter and having like that whole like aggressive like situation go down like really upset me but then when I figured out why it happened I got even angrier because I I believe not even like a month maybe two months later she announced that the book was being published <sighs> Yep. And I was just like, 
really? Oh, now that makes sense. Like, now I see why, like, she, she punkered down a few hundred bucks to, like, yeah. send a lawyer after me. To, so, like, protect her investment or something. Right? To, to prevent people from asking questions. Yeah. And in the ensuing months, um, you know, I've had several other Black women reach out to me with concerns about, you know, their interactions and some of the other stuff. Uh, at one point, uh, when the shooting and that awful mass shooting in Arizona happened, yeah. um, she made a post uh, about the shooting oh, where she promoted that. her book. I remember that. Yeah. And another Black woman called her out and... She blocked her, deleted her comment, and then yep. deleted the entire post and didn't say a word yep. afterwards. Which she like she she's yelled at like white women for dirty deleting. Like yep. Yep. what what kind of leadership are we doing here? Yeah. Right? Also, I'm like, where does that fit into this framework that you've published? Where where's the right? where's the dirty delete chapter? <laughs> Right? Like, it's perfectly fine to dirty delete if you're an anti-racism leader who can't bother, you know, have her her brand, like, tarnished. And at the end of the day, my concern now is not even so much with, like, the intellectual provenance of her stuff. It's the leadership decision. It's the the behavior. I have the same, like, critique of fucking Robin D'Angelo and her, her, her shit. Um, you know, my mother has uh, confronted both Robin as well as uh, what's his face, uh, the dude who does the anti Tim Wise, about like making money off yep. of like violence that they benefit from. Yep. Uh, and they get very antagonistic if you ask them <laughs> like how much money they made and like where it goes. Yeah. Um, and so, like for me, like this has become a reflection of how do I lead? Like, how is my behavior, like, reflecting and aligning with what I'm saying? Because I think, especially in the age of social media, and as witches, we both know, like, glamour is, like, real as fuck. Hell of fucking real. (laughs) Like, like, glamour's real as fuck. (laughs) Like, especially now, like, with the tools that we have that allow us to, like, curate things, like, so specifically. Um, you know, how, how is my, how are my, like, decisions and what am I saying? How is that aligning with my actions? Like, am I actually in congruence with the things that I'm professing to value? And if not, what do I need to change in order to get there? And I realized after this whole shebang of shenanigans, uh, with this person, um, that I, I never actually wanted to be what I I thought I wanted to be because when this whole situation initially came up, um, you know, I was very public and honest about the fact that I was struggling with uh, some, you know, some minor tendrils of feeling overlooked and overpassed uh, and that I had done all this work to try to get to this place where I would publish a book or a publisher would come to me uh, you know, and want to publish a book, and, you know, it would be, it would be, like, righteous, like, in, like, a groovy way, not, like, mm-hmm. a shitty way, <laughs> you know, and all this other kind of stuff, and I felt the kind of way, yeah. you know, and I was very public about that, but then I realized I felt the kind of way because I was deferring 
my power and my actual wants and desires. And the thing about this person, and, and I will give credit where it's due, is that she's very good about just pursuing whatever the fuck she wants. Yeah. Uh, she, she just goes through and towards things with full-hearted, like, desire and passion. She just, she checks everybody else's bullshit at the yeah. door, uh, including some of the stuff that's not actually bullshit. Yeah, well, and, <laughs> and I also want to, like, give you credit, though, to Alexis. Like, you, you know, I see so much, like, similarity between you. I'm like, you have a lot of barriers you're up against, too, though. Like, like that person that we're talking about probably has a lot more spoons than you and I do. Yeah. Um, and oh, sure. is yeah. one hell of a marketer and, you know, has a lot of fucking social capital, you know? So yes. Like, yes. I understand. Like, I'm, I'm like, I, I've been angry for you, like, the whole and it's been a while now. <laughs> it's, but it's been a few years at this point. Yeah, like, you know, and so, like, <laughs> you know, like, I know this isn't just a reactionary anger. It's a, it's a righteous anger because it's still here. And I, and I know what it's about and I know what it's, you know, what it's for. It, it's exactly what you're saying. It's like this moment where I, because I, I greatly admired that person in the beginning. And then, um, through them, I think that's how I discovered you and um, began following your work. And then when I saw that, I was like, oh, hell no. Like, no questions asked, just done. Like, that's not okay. We don't do that to each other. Right. Um, and it, it made me question the same thing. Like, there is this growing number that I'm seeing of, like, folks who are um coming out in in, in the, these like social justice social media spaces and i i can't help but like as a psychic i'm looking at them and i'm like is this person actually in service to our liberation or are they just like the next fucking glennon doyle you know what i mean like but in different packages. <laughs> i should laugh but <laughs> um i i mean i resonate with that so much uh like obviously because you know i i too is a psychic witch <laughs> um and it's one of the things that i've struggled with for a really long time is the fact that i try to temper my intuition with like the logic of realizing that we have in inbuilt biases yeah. right uh, but sometimes like, <laughs> like your intuition just pings and you're just like ooh, something something's not aligning here mm -hmm. um and so like i i totally get that and i think for me like trying to like because i don't want to like make this entire conversation about this pile oh, really? of garbage um, <laughs> situation she's not garbage the situation is garbage to be yeah. very clear Absolutely. um uh you know like for me i'm actually very grateful because what ended up happening was as i got to see like firsthand how people are influenced by social capital by capitalism yep. uh you know by like these power struggles and like trying to be in proximity to people that they think are useful to them yep. uh you know i i got a real big spoonful <laughs> of, of like of like the the fragility of humans really yeah. and my own fragility as well and like my own vulnerability it actually made me softer 
in, in a way because I had to really soften into the fact that I that I was hurt and my hurt had nothing to do with getting or gaining per se mm-hmm. it had to do with like a, a shared desire to be I don't want to say in the struggle not that I think thoughts or words become things literally, but you know, you want to be careful about the language that you use about stuff, but in the, but in the work, the hard fucking work of like re rebuilding our ourselves, our society in a way that is balanced and empathetic and inclusive and compassionate and thoughtful. And it, it made me a lot softer because then I had to put myself in her shoes and think about this entire situation from her point of view Mm -hmm. like what was going on with her and how like how are the systems of stuff interacting there because like as a as like a black femme as a black woman femme people read me as a woman so i just say i'm a woman because i don't don't (laughs) fuck i'm just like "Eh, who cares Uh, i mean i care but like i also don't Uh, you know, like, I realized, like, it's, it's hard as fuck to, like, get your words out into the world, yeah. you know, to be heard. And when you finally are heard after a really long time of not feeling heard and having, and being in a society that actively suppresses you, of course you're going to cling to that shit like a life raft. Totally. Like, like, uh, you know, like, you're going to do what you have to do. And for that, I cannot, you know, like, fault her. Uh, mm-hmm. She also got, she also has babies to feed. Uh, mm-hmm. And when you have babies to feed, I, I'm not a parent. Uh, I'm a, a child-free auntie mm-hmm. <laughs> by choice. Hopefully that will continue until I'm old enough to foster uh, teenagers, because I don't feel responsible enough to do that right now. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, having little people who depend on you is, like, a big, big ass deal. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, like going through this whole process of like trying to have this situation teach and serve me and help me to, uh, you know, really solidify my humility and my humility in the sense of the way that Dr. Angelou talks about it, which is, yeah. you know, knowing that, she, that somebody has come before you and that you're here to make the way for somebody else. Um, you know, has been very healing actually for me. And it's, and it's brought me back to uh, myself and, and my power uh, in ways that if, you know, you had told me I would, I would get to this place, uh, you know, two, three years ago when shit was hitting a fan, I would have like laughed like maniacally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, like, mm-hmm. like, that sounds like some spiritual white woman shit. <laughs> like, what, what is this? <laughs> um, and it's funny because uh, Sonia Renee Taylor, who I'm sure you know, the body is not. I love Sonia. Sorry. <laughs> this is, a, yeah, I, I love Sonia too. Uh, she, I think she, yes. Yeah. Just checking pronouns in my head. Okay. Um, she made a, an Instagram video uh, recently, a, a little like story. I, I'm not hip on the Instagrams. I, I'm old. I, <laughs> Instagram and I have a very like hit miss like relationship um, that one of my aunties sent me. And it was talking about, and she was talking about how she's, how she's come to accept that she's wired to love. Mm, yeah, I, I watched that one. It was so yeah. good. 
And never in my life before, I thought I was just like a weird little alien mm. who was like very self-aggrandizing, mm-hmm. like over here in my corner. <laughs> and so like watching that and having and hearing her talk about how like she still loves people even when, you know, they've done her harm or they're just like absolutely despicable. I got that. Like, yeah. I love, like. I'm leaning more into the fact that I really love people, even like super despicable people that I want to eat into the sun, like on like a baseline spiritual level, I love you as a human being because I realize human beings are very fragile and I love the parts of you that were fragile and that were harmed Mm -hmm. by, you know, various systems or, you know, various traumas that, that may have led you to, uh, you know, think a certain way about others or the world or that, you know, have brought you to like a really foul place, even as I want to eat you into the sun. Those two things exist. It's possible. Um, but that's been really super, super interesting for me because like now it's moved me into this place of being like, more visible like with my magical work uh mm-hmm. and more into my art and my writing and you know shifting how I relate to those things oh that sounds amazing like <laughs> not that you had to go through that but that you get to do that now because I I feel like I'm um, just like a a few chapters right behind you in that like I recently went through a very similar experience but in a different way like people who follow my work that are listening to this are like, man, this sounds awfully similar to the thing <laughs> that Metzley just went through with this other person. Um, you know, and I, through that same realization of like, whole, like, who do I not want to be when I reach a certain level of, um, you know, visibility or, yeah. you know, even like being, published or any any of that type of success right Mm -hmm. um like all the things I don't want to be like my goodness what a humbling like all right like I learned that way and also like the ways in which I don't want to be of service to us and that that is my number one like that's if I'm not doing that then none of it's worth any of it you know like if that's not what's happening then like none of the candles, the psychic readings, like none of it. If it's not in service to us and our liberation, it doesn't mean shit. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, like having that clarity uh, is so important. Like, and I'm just like, I want the same thing that like you're getting to experience now where like, you know, people politicize the fuck out of us. Yes. Um, and, you know, I, I don't love politics, but I talk about them a lot because my existence is extremely fucking political, yes. um, you know, but it would be really fucking cool if I could just nerd out about candles all day or, you know, like talk to you about all the occult shit we love, like mm-hmm. just get to be our creative, expressive selves. Um, it sounds like perhaps you've gotten some liberation out of this. Yeah, for sure. This episode of the Revolutionary Mystic Podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp.com. 
BetterHelp is an online platform where licensed therapists can counsel you remotely, meaning you can receive therapy from the comfort of your pajamas, in your home, with your witchy familiars at your side. Seriously, whether you've got 10 cats, a pack of wolves, a house full of ghosts, or a questionable amount of houseplants like some of us do, BetterHelp.com is there so you don't have to leave your magical brood behind if you can't or don't want to. To use BetterHelp.com, you must be 18 or over. While part of your regular self-care, BetterHelp.com is not a crisis line. However, you do get access to licensed therapists, and it's available worldwide through four different ways to connect. Text, chat, video, and phone. You can start communicating in under 24 hours. I know how finding the right therapist can bring up a lot of anxiety, but the good news is it's easy to change counselors if you need to. The cost of therapy through betterhelp.com ranges from $35 to $65 per week. And guess what? Because the struggle is real, financial aid is available. So check it out. These are wild times we're living in and taking care of your mental well-being is revolutionary. Go to betterhelp.com slash witchy for your first week free. That's visit betterhelp.com slash witchy for your first week free. And like, it's interesting because I've started to have this realization that like, it's not even, I don't think it's that I like politics because like, I, because my, I think my special interest is community. Like, how do we like organize ourselves? Like, what are the relationships like? How do we build structures? And it's not so much because like when, because if you're in leftist spaces for any period of time, you know, like the joke is that like leftists will argue over theory until they're like blue in the friggin' face, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, and you have like the Marxist Leninists and the Maoists and like the, like the Stalinists and like, it's just like the AMCOMs and it's just everybody yeah. gets into a fight over like minutia of like theory, which I think is important. So I want to be very clear that I'm not <laughs> anti-intellectual. Yeah. It's just not for me. <laughs> like yeah. I just, I, I derive no joy out of, you know, like discussing like the minutia of very specific theory. And unfortunately, in order to be, like, a politically, like, savvy commentator, you have to, like, get into that, which yeah. is fine. It's just not my wheelhouse. My wheelhouse is community. My wheelhouse is, like, much more uh, ethereal and ephemeral and, and spiritual. Uh, and it took me a long time to stop hating myself for that. Yes. Uh, because... When I was a little person, so much of what I was valued for and the only times when I would really receive affirmation was when I was existing in kind of like that hyper analytical space. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's not my nature. I'm actually, I, I'm very, I'm very spiritual and intuitive and artistic and gentle and like gentle spirited, like and all of that. And I'm not saying that you can't be like those things at once of course um but that's just not where how how I navigate the world so it was really great coming out of this particular situation and realizing ah shit like (laughs) like, I don't actually want to be like an intellectual like this I I want to be an artist like I've always wanted to be an artist um you know like I I think my work is more spiritual than anything else uh because one of the things that this is going to sound super self-aggrandizing and i don't care i'm gonna say it in public <laughs> anyways um i realized that i 
I sort of occupy the space that this person always wanted to occupy as like a spiritual person. Yep. And that they, they trade it like because they couldn't get there for whatever reason, which I don't know. It's not, it's not, I have no, I don't know why the universe works the way that it does. Mm -hmm. I'm just here. Um, you know, that just didn't, that didn't click that way. So they, they, they took the spiritual wrapping paper and wrapped it around racial justice, mm -hmm. which has so many layers of problems, like that could be a whole podcast unto itself. Yep. Like I get really skeeved out when people spiritualize like material like yep. concerns because like even when you take like even if you operate from like a decolonizing point of view um you know where you're centering like you know both culturally specific but also i guess pan indigenous kind of like sentiment um even the way that that indigenous people tend to spiritualize I'm going to say R because my mother is indigenous. So like yeah. technically, but also whatever y'all get my point. Like even when, when we're speaking from some, like an indigenous worldview on, you know, spiritualizing the material, it's not the same. It's not in the same kind of way. I, I don't quite know yeah. how to articulate that. I'm still trying to tease it out <laughs> myself, but like, it's not that it's not bypassing. It's actually very real. Um, and one of the things that has like really come to surface for me is like animism, for example, it's actually very pragmatic, like political worldview as well. Cause if you assume that every, everything around you has life and intelligence, you're not just going to like, do fuck all, you know yeah. what I mean? Because, <laughs> yeah. um, like, your heart won't let you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, like, I've been kind of, I'm making no damn sense at this point. No, but you I've, are. I've just been kind of, like, falling into the stream of that and letting it carry me, you know? And it and it brought me back to restarting Lucifer's Well, which we were going to talk about. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, it's brought me back to making art. And okay. like spiritualizing, like my art practice. Fuck too. yes, I yes, <laughs> I, I I live for folks like us, like getting to get back to, like the heart of what what really makes us come alive and where our magic really shines. Mm -hmm. You know, um, that's really fucking cool. I am so excited to talk to you about Lucifer as well, and. Um, I can imagine that maybe not a lot of folks know what we're talking about. And so yeah. <laughs> I wanted to um, ask you uh, about, so, okay, well, let's start with, <laughs> so fairly recently, um, I guess I came out of the Satanist closet um, on social media um, very subtly um, didn't make a whole post about it, but like have been sharing some content, mm -hmm. um, with folks, which, you know, as a fuck, as a black and brown person, because we are demonized. Yeah. It's very scary. And yeah. then, you know, like just as a witch also, like, you know, then you're also evil on top of being a witch. And yeah. so there's all these like, um, misconceptions around, Lucifer and Satan and all of these things, especially in spiritual spaces, especially in decolonial spaces, because I think a lot of people have 
um, like a skewed perception of it being uh, what we have learned from like Catholicism or, you know, a racist <laughs> fucked up yeah. perspective on what these things are. So would you mind sharing with folks like, um, what's your relationship with Lucifer and that magic and yeah, into Lucifer as well? Yeah. So I, so first of all, a little bit of background. I have been, uh, I've been a nebulously witchy person since I was small. Mm -hmm. uh, had my first little brush with magic when I was 13. I literally got hit in the face like hit in the head with a, a book on magic in the library and fell <laughs> off the shelf. So it wasn't like some like weird mystical experience, but it's still really funny that I literally got hit in the face with the witchcraft. Um, yeah. I went through a brief little Wiccan period, you know, in my teens. Uh, then I became very disenchanted with the Wiccans because they were too like obsessed with being like anti-Christian and yeah. on some weird shit. Um, so I like became like agnostic atheist, uh, still, you know, believing that magic was kind of there and that maybe something else was out in the world, but who knows? Mm -hmm. uh, and then, um, you know, in my early 20s, uh, my first foster parent passed away uh, and that kicked open the door. Um, and all, all the weird shit started playing, <laughs> like, like coming in the door. Uh, so fast forward from that, like about a decade, um, you know, I, I've, I practice several different, uh, traditions, um, that I, that I'm party to. Um, I'm also on the road to converting to Judaism, even though I was raised culturally Jewish, which is weird, was not anticipating that plot twist, uh, <laughs> from the writers of this season of my life. <laughs> um, but before that, um, so, so backing up, um, I, so it was my 20, for my 27th birthday, I actually went uh, on a trip to New Orleans um, on a healing retreat, hilariously, uh, for black women with my sisters. Mm -hmm. And while I was in town, um, I attended uh, a ceremony that was hosted uh, by Sally Ann Glassman's uh, on foe. And the service happened to be to Legba. Uh, so I attended this service and it was actually very deeply spiritually transformative for me. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I overheated in the garage. I, in hindsight, I realized like I was overheating my body. Um, so I overheated in the garage. I was super like tripped out. Like when I got back to the hotel and I went to bed and I had this dream that I was buried up to my neck in a field. Uh, and Zaka, who is Aloha of farming, uh, who's sometimes called Kuzen, uh, was like raking near my head and sort of like, like tilling the soil near my head. And all, it was kind of like out in like the, the rural wilderness area, uh, like rural country, not wilderness, pardon. Um, and I had like who I think now were probably ancestors, uh, like just kind of all around, like in a circle, just kind of watching like this whole thing. Uh, and Legba comes up to me and starts pouring water on my head. And like, like I'm a plant. Uh, and, and Legba like comes down to like, so he's like face to face with me, like on the ground. And he said, you know, this is, this is not the past for you. Uh, you know, Vodou, or at least, you know, this, 
particular direction that you're facing and it's not for you. Um, you know, like we don't speak the same language, which was also literal because I hate French. So like, <laughs> like the idea of like trying to learn like liturgical, like Creole, like scared me crapless. And like that is like such an essential part of like voodoo, like liturgy, like there's no getting around it. Like if you are yeah. called uh, to walk that path. Uh, so he was both, he was both very literal in that sense, but also just, you know, in, in that particular uh, on faux direction, um, which is not a fit. Uh, and I was really distraught because I have always uh, been very, felt very connected uh, to Vodou as a worldview, um, you know, and I was going on this process of like trying to uh, reclaim myself, uh, especially spiritually as, uh, as a Black person. And I have more complicated insights on that now, uh, but at the time it was really distressing. So I was just like, well, okay, that was weird, but, but, but message received. Um, and a couple of weeks later, I had another dream. I don't really remember my dreams. And usually when I do, it's because I'm, I'm either receiving a message or I'm dreaming true. Uh, so, you know, I'm receiving like information about something that might be coming down the pike. Yeah. Um, and it was about Lucifer. Uh, and it was Lucifer coming to me and being like, yo what's up and I was just like oh no nothing much <laughs> like, <laughs> <"No>, thank you <laughs> yeah. I, I'm Gucci thanks <laughs> um and then shortly thereafter I connected with one of my mentors Eleanor Pradotha who practices uh decolonizing uh or attempting to decolonizing rather a uh, lineage of a fairy which has really complicated messy messiness to it as like witchcraft tradition but Eleanor is really groovy and Eleanor and Eleanor's politics are great and they're just like a really lovely human being so I connected with Eleanor and started mentoring with Eleanor and it turns out Lucifer and <laughs> uh you know that sort of like current of divine intelligence uh is really closely knit to fairy so I started working with Lucifer and I realized very quickly firsthand that uh, the Christian Satan, the, the Hebrew sort of conception of Satan and Lucifer and also the devil are all very different beings. Yeah. <laughs> um, Christian Satan is scary. We don't, we, don't, we don't play with Christian Satan. Christian Satan is a creepy egregore that gives me the willies. We don't, we don't do that. But, but Satan in the Jewish tradition, there's very little resemblance to like Christian Satan. Christian Satan is anti-Semitic and racist, mm -hmm. um, so so that's fun. Okay. Uh, and then the devil, like when we speak of the devil, usually what people are talking about are these like uh, threshold, these liminal spirits that uh, you know either exist uh, at points in I don't want to call it the vortex, but whatever, like. The, the, the points where our worlds intersect with others, um, you know, that are trickster spirits. They're, they're considered devils because they play tricks, not because they're necessarily malicious per se, or they're tended, they tend to be spirits of place that are associated with like the woods or mountains or places that cannot be tamed 
Yeah. Like, because, you know, colonialism is big on taming shit. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> like, so they get cast in, like, there's really, they get cast in this evil, malicious light because they cannot be controlled. Like, you can't subjugate them. Mm-hmm. They, are, they are sovereign unto themselves. So that was really eye-opening. And then in the case of Lucifer, um, Lucifer for me is about not only recognizing my my godhood self and my self-sovereignty, but also the impact of that and like the personal responsibility that has to come with embracing oneself as a source of power and authority. I think one of the things that people don't necessarily grip about, you know, even non-theistic Satanism, like Satanism as a philosophy, and, and a lot of Satanists don't either, you know, mm-hmm. with all the libertarian white brosive stewing mm-hmm. fuck shit out here, um, is that, like, it's about claiming, it's also about claiming personal responsibility for the full impact of exercising your sovereignty, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people can't do that. A lot of people are not equipped to do that. And it's not because, like, they're inferior or weak or anything like that. It's just that it's a lot. Like, that's a really intense life path to take. It's a lot to hold. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And sometimes, like, if you're like me and you have, like, a, a bit of generalized anxiety, it's just, like, it gets very existential really quick. Totally. Because, <laughs> you know, like, you're constantly thinking of, like, what am I going to have to take personal responsibility for in doing what I'm about to do? You right. have to really think about the consequences of not only what you're enchanting for, as a sorceress, uh, or as a, you know, a magician or a witch, however you want to identify, because um, obviously I identify as sorceress, uh, you know, um, you know, even in just like your mundane actions, your politics, mm-hmm. like you have to really wrestle with the fact that in order to really claim and exercise the fullness of your own sovereignty, you have to accept that People are really not going to like you, (laughs) might not like you. Um, You might do harm that you did not intend to do, but has been done uh, as a result. Um, You know, you might miss out on some things. Uh, You might receive exactly what you want. And what are the implications of that? You know, (laughs) right? Real fucking scary. And that's like, that's why like when I read like the horror stories of like people working with like the Goisha, right? Um, you know, demons, for those of you who don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like, for, for those that, <laughs> who this isn't, like, a, um, what, what do we say, like, a, an autistic interest of yours? Yes. Um, you know, um, the, the Goetia is, uh, it's a book of, of demons. That, yes. And it's, uh, to help, it's a tool to help you summon them. Yes. Uh, and there are various levels of, like, uh, ceremonial, like, Solomonic magicians, and there's, like, a whole thing with, like, the prominence of, like, the clavicula and all of that. Uh, clavic- I can't pronounce words. Whatever. <laughs> the, the grimoire. Um, but regardless, they, they're considered demonic spirits. Uh, or they're characterized as demons. Yeah, um, it's like a colonial term. We'll say. Yeah. Um, and I... I think demons is fine. The, the way that I relate to them is that they are, 
they are much closer to our material reality than maybe other spirits are. Like angels are a little bit more removed, yeah. like from uh, this physical space. So they tend to have more. Uh, I don't want to say anthropomorphic qualities, but they have like an intelligence that is more relatable and understandable to us as like human beings um so they're very intense uh and they don't all they're they they are they're not immoral they're amoral they don't assign like moral significance to anything it's not that they and it's not that they don't have their own sort of like values and agenda it's just that if you greet them the right way uh and you're not of the brood uh, for lack of a better way to describe yeah. that, uh, they'll just be like, yeah, you asked for it. Here you go. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, and sometimes people ask for things and they don't think about, like, the consequences. So, like, you'll see, like, stories, like, on, uh, you know, like, weird, like, occult, like, like, message boards where all, like, the white men gather to talk about, like, like their, their weird, like, ceremonial colonial magic, mm-hmm. uh, and it'll be like, well, I summoned Bune, and I asked Bune for $10,000, and then my aunt died in a car crash and left me $10,000, and it's just like, well, did you consider, yeah. <laughs> like, did you really stop and think about what you were asking about and, like, how it could get to you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, which is why, like, I I don't really talk about, like, working, uh, you know, with goetic spirits a lot with, like, newbie witches, because, like, I don't want them to accidentally set themselves on fire, yeah. Um, you know, and scare them, scare themselves off of, you know, doing like that kind of magical work. Um, but long story short, Lucifer and I are chill now. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's actually funny because I find that being like a Luciferian, uh, you know, demonolater, uh, is actually very complimentary to how I relate to my Judaism. <laughs> um, because I, I view Lucifer as a force of enlightenment that is aligned with, and truth seeking, which is aligned with sort of like the heart of Jewish tradition, in my opinion, because you can put 12 Jews in a room and get four dozen different answers, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, questioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Judaism is very much about wrestling with the question of faith. Uh, in my own, albeit very short at this point, so I want to put that little asterisk on it, uh, you know, explorations of Reconstructionist Judaism specifically, uh, you know, I have come to realize that a lot of what people assume about monotheism, especially of Judaism, um, is just, like, weird Christian, like, mess. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christians have, like, a really messed up view of Judaism and their relationship with Judaism. It's wild. Like, mm-hmm. somebody says Judeo-Christian values, they're talking about Christian values. Yep. Like, they're not talking about, like, they, they are not actually speaking to the, the, the huge, like, broad swath of, like, Jewish intellectual tradition. So that doesn't feel like uh, you know, a conflict for me. Um, and, you know, even like in my working with Satan, so like, uh, in the Jewish tradition, Satan is not so much, uh, like a force of evil per se, uh, but like, uh, a tester of human Mm -hmm. beings, like an attester of their values and their integrity, 
right? Yeah. Uh, seeing, you know, if, they, if they're on the good, good. So like even working, you know, with, with, with Satan from that like point of view, where I'm relating to Satan as a force of how do I exercise my sovereignty and my free will in a way that's liberatory and compassionate and empathetic and takes personal responsibility, both for my own fulfillment, but also for, uh, you know, honoring the sovereignty of all the beings around me um, has been really interesting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You wouldn't necessarily think that these two paths would converge (laughs) this way, but they have in me and it's, and it's weird, but delightful. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And it's made my, and it's made my magical practice so much more effective too. Um, I tell people all the time, like my entire life has, is, a, a visual testimonial of sorcery and of the pragmatism of sorcery uh, because I shouldn't have the life that I have right now. I live by myself uh, in, in and up like a, I mean, it's a studio and it's the size of a postage stamp uh, you know, in comparison to what I could probably get from my money uh, in other parts of the country. Uh, but I live in this beautiful little studio in, in Chicago um, I have a great neighborhood, you know, when there's not pandemic af- afoot, uh, and the white people in this building aren't masking, but you know, oh, Lord. <laughs> you know, you win some, lose some, yeah. <laughs> but I have this beautiful little apartment. I have, um, you know, I have all these wonderful, loving relationships. I got a second chance at having a loving parent. Yeah who loves me as if she birthed me, which honestly she probably could have because we we look very eerily similar. Like I've shared like a photo of her when she was three years old and people thought it was me. Like it's kind of bizarre. (laughs) Um, You know, like I I reconstructed that part of my life. And again, I recognize privileges are also afoot in all of this. So I want to be really clear about that. But financially, like I've had enough to be a little bit more than comfortable. I'm not where I want to be, like financially, yeah. uh, just because capitalism is a bitch, and mm-hmm. I've like been wrestling with like the the personal values of making money and like the ethics of <laughs> like uh, you know wealth accrual under a system of capitalist fuckery. Yeah. Uh, but like financially, I'm pretty secure. Uh, anytime I've needed a resource for something, it's always managed to find its way to me. Um, I've been very privileged in that I've had safe places to be, uh, and I've been surrounded by people who loved me and saw, you know, who I can be, um, and honored that and nurtured that even when I couldn't honor it and nurture it for myself. Um, I'm able to spend most of my time doing things that fill me with love and fulfillment and satisfaction. Um... You know, and I have a legacy. Yeah. Like, uh, I'll be at the a white woman destroyed like the formal <laughs> like part of that legacy, but it's okay. <laughs> it was there for a brief minute, you know, with the with uh, you know the the fellowship and all that. But outside of that, I know that I have a legacy, and that like I could literally not not tempting the universe to take me anytime soon. Please don't. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you so very much. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm immunocompromised. Please don't. <laughs> yep. uh, but, you know, like, I have, I have a legacy already. 
Like I have like, I, my favorite, some of my favorite emails are like from, you know, fellow black and brown people who have shared with me the ways that me living my life out loud and like wrestling and actively trying to role model like this, like integrity, like liberation through pleasure kind of thing. Yeah. Um, in my own way, which uh, part of my lineage there is Adrienne Marie Brown. Go read all of her books. Yes. Um, but, you know, not only those emails, but also I've gotten a few emails from like white suburban, you know, minivan driving. Yeah. <laughs> like housewives. <laughs> and they're just like, so I found you through, you know, XYZ, slightly more respectable, less radical. <laughs> yeah. Like Colleen. <laughs> um, you know, who I have love for, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, and I started reading your stuff and you really rankled my ass at first. And then, but I stuck with it and I wrestled with it and I wrestled with it some more. And I kept listening to you, even though you rankled my ass. <laughs> um, and now I'm a communist and I'm taking my children to demonstrations and I've set up a mutual aid network in my community and I flipped off the cops on my way yes. to like get my morning coffee. <laughs> I'm just like, yes, I'm doing my work. Yes. um you know so like I I have this life that I wasn't supposed to have I was not supposed to live this long to have this life and I fully intend to live to be 98 so that I can you know terrorize white supremacy for as long as it exists um hopefully (laughs) on a planet that's alive and thriving uh you know assuming we do our work uh but you know I'm not supposed to have this life and magic is why I have it. I tapped into, you know, what our ancestors have always been connected to. I think magic is a return or it can be a return to balance and, and integrated relationships. I tell people in Lucifer's well, oh, I'm supposed to talk about Lucifer's well, shit. (laughs) Um, So that brings us to Lucifer's well. (laughs) So Lucifer's well is my uh, little Facebook uh, community. Uh, I don't know if we will be open. I periodically reopen it for new members because I like to do it in waves. Uh, so that people, so that our community space doesn't get overwhelmed and it gives people time to integrate. Um, but it's my uh, Facebook community. I originally started it as a place to put uh, my, what was going to be anonymous, like my anonymous blog about all like the weird, like Luciferian and like demon, <laughs> demons and like, mm-hmm. like hardcore money making, like sorcery shit, like all the things that I was like, I was like either a little shamed or like a little nervous to like put in like my main feed. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then like it just went kaboom. And within four months, that first four months, we hit like 400 members, which is bananas uh but then I closed it and like perched out some people because we had a kerfuffle that happened but then I reopened it again Uh, so we're back at like 400 some odd members uh and basically we talk about like magic from like a leftist uh inclusive point of view uh a lot of magical spaces um spiritual spaces uh either this is about to sound really shitty please forgive me i'm not judging anybody but i'm also kind of judging a little totally um like um i've i've noticed that there is a tendency to use magic as like band-aids rather than as like a fundamental force for 
living and changing one's life, uh, which I will give a shout out to Jason Miller for like hats off to him because I've kind of stolen uh, that that perspective from him with strategic sorcery. That was like a huge part of my, uh, you know, shaping uh, experience in terms of operative philosophy. Um, but Jason is a white dude, <laughs> like yeah. a middle-aged white guy. Like there's only so much <laughs> like yeah. radicalism we can expect out of that space. Um, so there was that. So I wasn't really seeing like a lot of like pragmatic sorcery spaces that were explicitly uh, leftist and intersectional. So, you know, you have a lot of like funky stuff, funky politics, you know, some Nazis running around in the yeah. cult world who all popped out of the closet after Trump got elected. Yeah. Um, you know, and then on the other side of that fence, we have like the weird, like spiritual bypassing, like privileged, like pay oblivious, you know, Stepford-esque aesthetic but like with crystals, yes. um, <laughs> like universe, you know, where it's like thoughts become things, and it's just mm -hmm. like, and nobody wants to talk about racism because mm -hmm. if you acknowledge racism, <laughs> like, oh, that, that, that's negative, yeah, negative and low vibration. Oh. <laughs> um, you know those weirdos. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I was just like, ah, well, I happen to sit at an intersection of, you know, really pragmatic sorcery, but also like this more, like, I don't want to say soft, but like that, that philosophical kind of, kind of point of view. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> might as well, like, I need this space because I'm not finding this anywhere. Turns out a whole bunch of other people weren't <laughs> finding it anywhere either. Yeah. So Lucifer's Well was born. Um, and the name comes from, obviously, Lucifer is uh, the light bearer. Uh, Lucifera is another name for Venus, uh, who I have a, a really functional uh, sorceress relationship with. Uh, and then the well portion is because uh, wells are a really common um, symbol. Uh, obviously, cultural context being important, um, but in a number of different cultural contexts, wells, sources of water, are oftentimes affiliated with uh, spiritual wisdom uh, and insight. But in my particular, <laughs> in my particular case, it's actually a reference to Mimmer's Well. Mm -hmm. uh, and for for those of you in the audience who aren't familiar, uh, Mimmer is a giant uh, in the Norse tradition. Uh, and the reason why Odin has one eye is because when he became the all-knowing all-father, uh, the way that that happened is he went to Mimmer's Well, and Mimmer's Well sits at underneath the roots of Yggdrasil, and the giant Mimmer attends to this well, this, this source of knowledge and insight. And in order to sip from the well, he had to give something to the well, Odin did. So he gave his eye. So he mm -hmm. threw his eye in the well, which is creepy and grotesque, but you know, <laughs> awesome. like awesome, but also like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so like he threw his eye in the well, uh, and, you know, he drank from it and received the knowledge that, you know, thus allowed him to become uh, the Allfather. But then also there's other versions of the story wherein, like, he either does battle with Mimmer or there's something, like, there's some type of, like, altercation with Mimmer, uh, where Mimmer, who has drunk from the well 
and who protects the well gets his head cut off and he actually takes Mimmer's head with him and Mimmer is still like fully like conscious and like will whisper to Odin like and it's weird and like very german like, <laughs> like fairy tale like aesthetic with the gore and the and the whatnot um but Wimmer, but mimmer's well is where all of the waters of life uh and fate uh sort of circulate uh up to and through uh yggdrasil which holds up the seven worlds so i was just like "Ooh, this is a really this is a really neat name for yeah <laughs> um so we talk a lot about like permaculture uh we talk about uh current events uh i take a very hard stance against um ableism against cluster B personality disorders in there because I realize narcissism is a very hot word right now to throw around yeah. uh, in spiritual spaces and we don't do that here. Um, I have I have instituted a blanket ban on any sort of conversations of narcissists or narcissism um, because too many people just don't have the, the, the equipment to have that conversation in, in a non-ableist way uh, and in an affirming way for everybody involved, including people who have uh, cluster B uh, personality disorders, various flavors. Um, so, you know, I take a lot of pride in that. Uh, we talk about cultural appropriation and the nuances of that, especially like in a globalized uh, society. Like, what does it look like? What does it mean and what does it look like if you're a white person and you resonate with say like Santa Muerte yeah. or you know you feel uh you know pulled in the direction of an ADTR or an ATR because I separate them so ADTR for me is African diasporic traditional religion so like Lukumi, Santeria, uh you know Dominican voodoo, vo Haitian voodoo, uh, you know hoodoo etc uh, and then ATRs are Beninian voodoo Budan, um, and uh, Ifa, because Ifa is still a living tradition on the continent. Um, so, you know, what happens? <laughs> what happens if you get pulled in one of those directions? Yeah. How do you manage that without being a shit bird? Um, you know, what does that look like? How do we, especially as sorcerers, when we're doing magic, how do we learn from one another without taking something that isn't ours or taking up space that isn't ours or you know what are the power dynamics of like using certain techniques because uh, you know hoodoo is another like hot button trend right now um you know and i see like white people who call themselves hoodoo the workers yeah the root workers and i'm just like mm, yeah, mm, don't do that no <laughs> no, no no um because in my opinion, uh, hoodoo is only hoodoo if it calls upon certain kinds of ancestors. Uh, and if you're a white person calling on those ancestors, who? No. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Uh, so, like, you can learn, like, from, like, the techniques, because there are lots of people who write books about this subject, um, you know, who share that knowledge, who are, uh, you know, cultural memory holders, right, who have those relationships, Uh but, um, you know, that doesn't mean that you are one. Yeah. 
and it doesn't mean that you should use all the things and it and it also means that you can't you shouldn't use it in certain situations like i don't i don't we shouldn't monetize it either yeah and and like don't be like don't be monetizing (laughs) i thought that was a given i forget that people for i forget that you know people don't have like that automatic like Mm -hmm. check on capitalism um you know but you shouldn't really you shouldn't be teaching those things and if you are going to share like you need to have like cultural like there are questions of like can you share should you share how do you share you know all of that kind of stuff so we're we're having those conversations um and we have not yet exploded uh which is very exciting (laughs) um and we also have like really clear like policies around um what happens if there is an explosion because yeah. one of the things that I noticed with a lot of like these like public spaces is that there's not a lot of accountability. And yeah. usually if a white, cause it's usually a white person, no offense, white folks. Well, a little I'm offense. like full offense, but okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> some offense. It's yeah. almost always a white person who sets off a bomb in a group. Um, and the person gets booted, but there's still like that lingering anxiety and like upset. Yeah. And anger. And I realized, like, I can't have a space like that. Like, when we're talking about our hopes and our dreams and things that we're pursuing, like, not only does this have to be, like, a discernment, like, zone where, like, we're very discerning about how we're judging and interacting with, like, what other people are doing and wanting and pursuing. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also have to have that same discernment for how we handle our relationships, because this is a, if we're going to say this is a community, it should operate like a community. Right. So, like, we have very specific, like, there's a very specific protocol that happens every single time somebody, like, sets off, like, a bomb, which has been twice in the year that we've existed. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I would love to see your protocol. My goodness. <laughs> yeah. Like we, have, like we have a whole thing. One day I'll maybe like make it available just like for people to look at. But it yeah. essentially involves like a conversation where the entire community comes. We talk about what happened. Uh, the people involved get to like say how they feel and any sort of like, uh, you know, express their, their demands, if they have any, for changing how the group operates. Uh, and there's also material reparation made. Um, so I will make uh, material reparation to people uh, for, like, time, like, if, for time and, like, all of that kind of stuff. It's, I mean, it's not, like, a lot of money, but, you know, <laughs> like, $50 is better than $0, you know totally. I mean? um, And, you know, it also comes out of my pocket. So, like, you know, I'm a human, right? So there's also that additional incentive for me to not let things get out of hand because yeah. I will have to, I literally will have to pay. Um, and it's not that I don't want to give other people money, it's just that I don't want to give them $50 under those circumstances, totally. you know? Yeah. Um, so, like, that's been really helpful. And I think uh, we, we've cultivated a community where um, people are again discerning like we're listening like actively with our ears to what people are saying um oh that was kind of ableist you get what i mean like we're paying attention to what people are saying um but we're not necessarily snapping to judgment because this is supposed to be a learning space as well and a brave learning space is also not a space where you can do harm yeah like people who engage in learning in my space also know 
that if they step in the doo-doo mm-hmm. while they're doing it, they got to clean up the doo-doo too. Like, <laughs> like, you don't just get to like step in the doo-doo and be like, hey, <laughs> like yeah. cry and like throw a tantrum. Like you gotta, like you gotta clean it up. Totally. Um, and that has cultivated like uh, a community that is very respectful, uh, where we're very, um, we're not like super serious. Cause like I've noticed like in a lot of like, like social justice oriented spaces, uh, it tends to be like this air of like, serious faceness that mm-hmm. sometimes you know gets really exhausting because we're yes. human beings <laughs> um you know and sometimes you just want to shit post about magic right <laughs> like, yes. um send us some funny damn astrology memes you right? know like whatever we, it is we, we got the good memes you know we got the dank <laughs> like a cold meme um you know and and i really love Lavelle, and i i've been trying to use that as like an extension of like trying to role model the congruency of like values and you know all this other kind of stuff so this has been really great um i haven't really been doing a lot of like public facing like uh magical service providing i'm actually i feel so sorry for the audience at home because i'm no longer doing my juno jar service um i'm actually wrapping up my final uh juno jar service which has been like my signature magical offering for like the last three years um where i work with the roman goddess juno and i like do, it's wealth magic for the community um and i'm still trying to figure out like what my next chapter looks like in terms of like being uh, a, a publicly engaged witch and a sorceress because right. um, i have like many years of like doing divinations and setting of light services and jars and community rituals and all sorts of things uh you know under my belt but um i'm getting old yeah. <laughs> like, oh and, time, and times are wild as fuck right now too like yeah like yeah. and like i i struggle with the ethics of it on my end and to be clear, I don't judge anybody else who charges for like spiritual services. Absolutely not. Uh, it's just for me, um, you know, when you think about pricing stuff, uh, you know, it's probably time to retire when somebody's just like, I'd like a divination, please. And you're like, $500. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. Probably a sign you should, you should maybe think about not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, especially if it's just for like a basic town reading, which is kind of where I'm like, I've landed like recently. I'm just like 11 zillion dollars. And I'm just like, oh girl, we got, we got to retire. <laughs> we, we, we can't do this right now. <laughs> um, so, you know, that's been fun. Um, and, and I really love the space. Uh, I think it's, I think the group might be searchable on Facebook. Uh, so you can send a request. I might not answer it straight away. Uh, Cause as I said, like I, I open the group up in waves to give uh, the community time to kind of come back to homeostasis for lack of a better way to describe it. Um, so, you know, we add new people, we let all those new people get adjusted, figure out if they want to stay or go, uh, you know, build those relationships for a time and then we open up again. Uh, so if you if you send a request to be added, I might not add you straight away, but you will be in the queue for the next time. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, that's awesome. I'm like, I just uh, <laughs> I just confirmed. Yes, you can search Lucifer's Well in the search bar on Facebook. Yeah. Um, I was able to find it just now. 
Yeah. Um, so I'm going to ask to join so that yeah. way the next time you open up that space again, um, I can check it out. That sounds fucking way awesome. Um, <laughs> so that's one of the places that folks can find you. Yes. Um, you know, as we wrap things up, um, I always ask folks to share all of the ways uh, folks can connect with you, your work, and how they can support you, especially if they listen to any of this and just thought you're awesome or they learned something from you, just want to lift up um, folks like us. Uh, you know, you can throw your cash tags out there if you want, but just share with us the ways that people can, you know, connect and support you. Yeah. Um, so you can find me on Facebook mostly nowadays. I do have a Twitter and an Instagram, but I'm still trying to figure out what I'm doing with them. Uh, but I am Alexis P. Morgan on Facebook. Uh, so you can follow me over there. Um, I also have my website, which is alexispmorgan.com. I have a couple of my blogs and like the, the current projects that I'm working on. I use a project model because I figured out it works well with the ADHD components of my autism. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I can just have a, like a, a, a put a pin in something when I'm done with it. Um, so I will be writing more uh, on my actual blog rather than into the void on Facebook. Um, so you can find me over there and like see what I'm doing at this point in time or whenever you listen to this. Um, you know, that's all good, good. Uh, I uh, have a buy me a coffee. I actually was an early adopter of Patreon, which I still have, but I don't update it directly because uh, I have some concerns about the CEO and their uh, treatment of uh, sex workers. Um, but I, I have it still for convenience. I just don't update it directly. Uh, I add everybody from that to my mailing list, though, so you still get like updates from that. Um, but I use buy me a coffee. They're really great. Uh, I love the shit out of them. Uh, you can do a one-time contribution or uh, a recurring monthly contri contribution if you feel so moved, um, you know, over there. So that's buymeacoffee.com slash the lady ALX, I think. Yes. I have two different handles that I've used for like my professional stuff and I can never keep them straight. Um, <laughs> You can find me on Buy Me a Coffee. Uh, that's also linked on my Facebook profile and on my website. Uh, and yeah, I'm just I'm just around. Uh, I ask that people rather than shoot me a DM if you'd like to share something with me, shoot me an email. You can find my email on my website, uh, but also in my Facebook bio. Uh, I love to hear from folks. Uh, I just ask that it doesn't go to the the Facebook vortex hell that is Messenger because my squirrel brain will forget and I don't want you to feel like I'm ignoring you. Um, but yeah, that's all the places where people uh, can find me and also uh, give me dollars if they feel so moved. <laughs> Every, I, I'm super, we were talking about this earlier. Like I get so upset when people are just like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I can only like give you like $5 or like a dollar or something. And I'm just like, no, like, that's a huge gift. Like, yeah. thank you so much. Those $5, <laughs> 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 they really do. <laughs> they, they really, really, really do. I get those same, like, people put it, like, in the notes on, like, a Venmo or, like, a PayPal, you know, and they're like, I, I wish I could give more. You know, like, it's so sweet of y'all. And just, like, the fact that you even, like, took the time to right. reciprocate energy 
to folks like us, like, fuck, dude, that's huge, you know, that's and it makes a huge, huge difference. Yeah, it does. And that's actually one of the reasons why I got like super stoked about like Patreon is because it, it created a way for people to show their support. Uh, and you know, it didn't have to be like buying like, uh, like a $10 ebook or, you know, like buying original art, even I, I really love like this community, these community models that are, are, are emerging, especially for artists and like non traditional, like creative folks who kind of break like the capitalism mold, because it allows our communities to really reciprocate and to support us for the benefit of everybody. Uh, in mm -hmm. ways that capitalism just doesn't like play well with. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so like, I really, I really dig that. And hopefully as I, as I lean more into visual art, uh, which <laughs> that's interesting. I have a, my, my first big project, uh, is a conceptual art piece, uh, about, um, wet ass pussy. Um, <laughs> which should be, which should be, I hope it's funny, um, but it might not be, I don't know, we're gonna find out, it might be bad art, uh, <laughs> but um, I'm really excited, because, like, now people can support my creative work without me necessarily having to, like, deal with galleries or trying to sell prints or any of that if I don't want to. Yeah, fuck yeah, well, cool, thank you so much Alexis for you know taking time to share with us here and everybody listening at home. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Revolutionary the Mystics Podcast. If you enjoy like, this show, please consider home, like, supporting it on Patreon like, by visiting patreon.com slash revolutionary All of our guests are paid as part of a movement to hashtag actually support witches of color by creating financial equity. You can also check out the online Hoodoo Botanica book psychic reading, take online classes, apply for the scholarship program for witches of color, join the free Facebook group, and watch witch tips on my YouTube channel by visiting revolutionarymystic.com uh, thank you so much for having me on hopefully i didn't meander it's been a pleasure to connect with you and thank you for having me on awesome well uh, i'm sure that won't be the last time so oh, yeah please have <laughs> me back i'd love to talk your ear off about all sorts of things excellent <laughs> um well thank you everyone listening at home and until next time stay safe wear a fucking mask <laughs> and i yep. love you all <laughs> all right bye-bye <laughs>